Greetings, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for tuning in to the You Can Do It Too podcast. My name is Mamadou Balde, and I'm your host. This podcast has two objectives. To provide a platform for minority professionals to share their inspiring stories and to inspire minority students to believe that their options are unlimited and that they can be whoever they desire to be. I hope this podcast ignites that fire inside of you and pushes you to strive to be the best you. On this podcast, I will be bringing minority guests from a variety of professions, engineering, medicine, entrepreneurship, law, business, etc., who will be sharing their journey to where they are today with you. I hope that these stories will inspire you to believe that whatever your goal or your dream is, you can do it too. <laughs> what an amazing day to be alive, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much uh, for tuning in. Today, I have an amazing guest for you guys. But before that, who am I? I am your host and I would call myself, I'm a problem solver. I, I'll summarize in... In saying that I am a problem solver, being that I love analyzing and thinking through problems, no matter the category or what it is, I like to figure things out. Right. So let's talk about uh, where I'm at right now. So this is special. I am in Paris right now uh, for a few weeks. Uh, I'm still working, but I'm also gonna take some time to visit some family, a lot of family, because I have a lot of family here in Paris. So I've definitely have been enjoying myself. It hasn't been as cold as I thought. Uh, the day has been amazing. I'm still, uh, I'm still very excited because this is my second day in. But I've always loved Paris. It's one of my favorite cities. So I'm definitely excited to be here for about four weeks, five weeks uh, before before I go back to the States. So let's talk about Unity Hills. For the people who do not know, Unity Hills is a nonprofit organization that I recently started uh, with the goal of improving healthcare in the most underserved communities around the world. Right now our focus is Guinea. And our biggest goal in terms of our first project is to raise uh, is to raise some money to shoot a documentary that could potentially uh, finance our first project, which is to build a healthcare clinic uh, in Conakry, Guinea. So right now we have a fundraiser event going on. Uh, it's a marathon fundraiser. So we launched it a few weeks ago and it's going to go until the day of the marathon. So on February 20th, 2021, I'll be running a marathon in Austin. Uh, it's going to be uh, in Austin. It's going to be my first marathon. And uh, I've been training for uh, about five weeks now and I still have about nine more weeks to go. And our goal is that to raise $5,000 from the day it was launched to the day of the marathon and we cannot do this without you guys the running that i do the training that i do is the easy part the money is what's hard and without the finance we won't be able to reach the goals and the ideas in terms of making the impact that we want to make out there in the world so if you can help in any way uh please donate to help us raise 
that five thousand uh, dollars you can also share uh, the word out there for us because the more people who speaking from the top of their lung the better it is the more people gonna hear and uh, if you feel uh, to to accept some challenge feel free to reach out to me and run with me in Austin Austin is one of the most beautiful cities and uh, this is for a great cause and I truly believe that when you're doing something for a great cause there's no wall that you cannot shatter there's no mountain that you cannot climb and at the end of the day you gotta get to your destination all right I'll, I'll be sharing some uh, the, the GoFundMe link in the show note another thing is that we our team have been working on a short a documentary that talks about the story of unity hills and our vision is an amazing uh, document mini documentary that was made by our director of uh, media and documentary he did an amazing job and uh, i also have the youtube link to that video on the show note check it out is uh, is who we are and uh, that definitely shows you the kind of the kind of flow we, you, you'll hope to see in the documentary that we hope to shoot all right our guest this guest is one of the amazing person i ever met and uh, i really enjoyed this conversation uh, I, I i recently met this guy and he quickly became my brother uh, he he is an amazing guy and this is the kind of people that i like to sit on myself around and uh, have long-term relationships he's a he has an amazing story and this was one of the great conversation greatest conversation that i ever had I'm not gonna go too much into it. We had so much to talk about. We had to cut the podcast in half, so we only did 90 minutes here, and uh, we're gonna have a second round uh, later. But I'm gonna stop talking here and let's jump right into it. Tune in. I'm really glad to be in your presence. No, thank you for having me, Mamadou. This is this is great. Appreciate you for uh, taking the time and and chatting. Of course, this podcast is definitely uh, for people that are like you, who, who are doing excellent things, who came from a very diverse background and have done the job, right, uh, with the blessing that they were provided, but they also did a lot of work and they persevered to get where they are. Okay. And I feel like those journeys are always going to be inspirational to so many people out there. You, and, and it's going to be useful. So I'm really excited to, to talk about your story and potentially bring it out to the audience out there. Absolutely. Yeah. Let, let's jump right into it. How, how is it going out there? Right now you're in Louisiana, right? I am. I am. I'm in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Baton Rouge, as, <laughs> as our French. Uh, you speak our, French? You speak I French? Speak, I spoke French my entire life, man. You know, wow. Like, that's amazing. I, I, yeah. I, I speak French. I mean, it's, it, it began to go away because I haven't spoke, but, but wow, that's exciting. We may start yeah. speaking French a little bit and lose the audience. Absolutely. We got we to gotta, we gotta start, you know, practicing a little bit. Come on, faire un peu de français, uh, <laughs> un peu de French into our speeches. But, um, no, but yeah. je, je vais aller à Paris uh, ce, ce décembre, so je, je, je vais essayer de prendre une classe. Nice. Oh, wow. Wow. But it's, it's going to be very cold out there in December. Oui, je sais, je sais. Mais on va rester dans la maison. 
Oh, that's right, that's right. Stay at home with the chill. Tu connais, nous avons beaucoup de familles là-bas. Les Africains ont beaucoup de familles en France. Mon frère, mon frère, mon frère est à Mon frère, il est à Valenciennes. He was going to school in France and then now he works with Amazon up there. So he's, wow. he's there going around between Valenciennes and Paris. So I have amazing. a lot of family members there as well. Which is yeah, I can't cool, even right? count. There's so many family over there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. That's amazing. That's amazing. So right now you are in Baton Rouge. Yeah. It's one of the, I think it's one of the most exciting cities in the United States that many people outside of the U.S. doesn't know. You wanna, absolutely. You want to yeah. give a little description of what Baton Rouge is like? <laughs> yeah. Um, so Baton Rouge, if you think about it, Baton Rouge is first the, the capital of Louisiana, um, south of the U.S., right next to Texas. Uh, so a lot of people know Texas, they know New York, they know all the big cities. Personally, without any not lying to you here, I actually didn't even know where I was going to work until the day I stepped in here because I was I went to school in North Carolina. Here in Louisiana, I had no idea where it was. Not not even Baton Rouge, not even, I never heard of it until I moved in here, literally. Um, actually, until I came for my interview. So I came for my interview, I didn't know anything about Baton Rouge. One thing I knew was that New Orleans was right next door. So New Orleans was right next door, and New Orleans was a French colony that uh, back in the days the French was here. So there's a lot of influence by the French culture. Uh, so coming in here for my interview, I was like, hmm, I see a lot of balconies and places that look like some of the one in, in Senegal, in particular Saint Louis, which is yeah, where yeah. I live in Senegal. A lot of the French culture, French uh, architecture. You actually can see here around Baton Rouge area in New Orleans. Uh, so coming in here, that was one of the first things. I was like, this is actually similar to home <laughs> in, in some ways. Um, honestly, the, the, the people as well, since I got here, has been, they have really reminded me of, of the folks back home, be very, very, very open-minded. Some of them being very open-minded. <laughs> Because, yeah, absolutely, you 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 find some exceptions. Because I know Louisiana is known for a little bit of, of the other side. Mm -hmm. You already know. But for the most part, honestly, they've been very uh, hospital welcoming. Uh, you can see the little Southern culture of, you know, kind of making sure they very, very, very good host, um, making sure they're taking care of you as much as possible. And the food, man. Dude, Baruch's food is amazing. You know, they have all that spices in there, the Cajun spices. Um, so I, I'm really enjoying my time here so far. Definitely. It's very something that is very known uh, to be in the South, where it's very welcoming. Uh, people are much nicer compared mm -hmm. to like a place like New York, where everybody is rushing. Uh, people are very welcoming. They host you well. Uh, they they want to share their culture and stuff. So that's something that is amazing about the South. Absolutely, agree. You you in Houston, right? Yeah, I'm in Houston currently. I I when I moved to the U.S., I came directly to Texas. Actually, Beaumont, Texas. Everybody oh, wonder God, why Beaumont, <laughs> Texas, but that's because that's where my uncle was, who, the one who took me in. And uh, from there, I was able to go to Austin for school, and then came came back to Houston. But let me ask you this question. I feel like it's gonna blow so many people's mind. Baton Rouge is a French word. Right, and uh, it's Baton Rouge. And what, what, what does that mean in English? 
Um, come on, red stick. That's red, the stick. red stick. That's the red stick. As a matter of fact, a lot of people will come in. And, Dude, is it the way of saying it? Baron Rouge. I'm like, no, Baton Rouge. Baton Rouge. Yeah. You gotta you put, put the R. You have to put the R. People love the R. You gotta put them in there. But yeah, the red stick. Um, a, a lot of folks actually here uh, have a little bit of French background, but it's the cajun French. Um, so kind of having that 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 Baton Rouge being a red stick, a lot of folks kind of know about it and hears it uh, being repeated multiple times, which, which is really great, you know, because you don't you don't see a lot of people who speaks French in America usually, you know, yeah. Spanish is more than one of the I would say a second third language that people speak. Yeah. Um, but it's very rare to see French and, you know, we're getting, getting used to seeing people speaking Cajun French and knowing what Baton Rouge means uh, has been refreshing a little bit. Definitely, definitely. No, that's amazing. So I know one of the things that I, we, we definitely going to talk about this later, but uh, we are still in uh, the consequence, the, the, how to call it, the post of uh, one of our worst years. Uh, in the world, which was 2020, COVID-19 happened, and so many people died, and there has been so many suffering uh, around the world. How did you deal with it, with everything? Especially, I'm sure you don't have a lot of family around you. Yes, how did you deal with it uh, and, and thrive through it, basically? Yeah, yeah, honestly, uh, my heart goes to everybody who lost their life for COVID, you know, during the COVID time, and you know, all, all the folks that really, really lost their jobs or had a lot of bad things happen to them. And I, and I hope that they're doing better now um, um, for, for, for some of the ones everywhere in the world. Uh, 2020, honestly, has been crazy. <laughs> it's one of those years that you like, you, you, you wish you would have pressed the skip button on that one and then go to 2021 straight. Um, it, it's, been, it's been really rough to see. For me, for example, a lot of my friends that I saw around um, have really been, some of them have been fine, but some of them have really been impacted by COVID from, a, from an employment perspective, right? Uh, and some of them lost their job. As you know, you know, our company uh, has gone through a few little changes and, and that has impacted a lot of my friends who, who I was with here. Uh, and, and that was the one of the hardest part, honestly, for me, um, aside from the, the disease itself. Um, a lot, a lot of my folks had to move out of the move out, move out of Louisiana, or move out of some of them actually moved out of the state and wow. decided to go back uh, out to their home countries. Um, so seeing all that happening, seeing a lot of change in their life, uh, some of them have families, some of them had to go ahead and find a new job. Those have really been affecting me and kind of give me a little hey, wake up, you know, a wake up call that anything can happen in life, right? You can go one day and have a job and the next day you don't have one anymore. You can be healthy one day and the next day you're not healthy anymore. You can be rich one day and it's not poor. And I can go on and on with those instances that everything can change in a second. Um, so th that really allowed me to really take a back step and look at my blessings and really take them and really be happy for, for what I have um, at first but know that they can be, can be gone at any time. And really that's why I embrace them. Embrace whatever blessings you have. Uh, help people when you can. Uh, um, it really, the, I, I keep telling people that the year has been probably one of the best years from a learning and growth perspective for me, because I've learned so much about myself that I honestly didn't know. 
That's I honestly amazing. know that I could be as positive as I was last year. That's amazing. You know, sometimes we just sometimes you just need to be pushed against the wall, and when we are forced to really analyze the wall, then we have to. When we are pushed to really go through it, we're gonna mm-hmm. come. We come up with all the powers and bring everything that we need to really yep. to really go through it. I agree, and, and we try through it. That's that's crazy. I definitely agree with you about that. Yep, I agree. I definitely agree, and and I actually was able to like meet a lot of my folks, call a lot of my folks. I really socialized with some folks again virtually over Zoom, over over cell phone, over over. And again, that's not the best means of communication. But I was able to find a different way of communicating with people. And honestly, I got into you know kind of getting back in connection with a lot of my folks that I had lost connection with because you were so busy going to work, going to school, going to do things. You were always busy running around, but now you have a little more free time for yourself with COVID because you have to stay home. Wow. <laughs> And, and being able to reconnect with a lot of my, my folks that I had that I had lost. That's one. And the second thing that I learned, again, this is not as serious as the other learnings, but I learned the art of cooking and that I enjoy <laughs> cooking. Oh my God. Mamadou, I'm telling you, I didn't think that was a good cook. <laughs> I did not know that was a good cook. Hey, you, you, you always have the hand, you know, our parents yes. are always great, so you just have to use it. <laughs> yes, exactly. You know, my mom, by the, my mom used to be one of the best cooks back home. Like, literally, everybody would call my mom for any events. Any yeah. events that happen, hey, my mom, madam, you got to come up and cook. So here, she would come and cook for everybody. Wow. I, I saw those skills last year during COVID in me. It's genetics. <laughs> yeah. It's genes. It's the genes, man. Exactly. The genes. And, you know, really being able to embrace those little passions, cooking and things like that, um, had really helped me go through the year of COVID pretty well, uh, I believe. And really, you know, that's honestly thanks to also faith, right? Faith yeah. had helped me in a way. I'm like, you know what? Yeah, it is what it is. This is what happens. I believe in the faith. I believe in things happening for a reason. I'm going to stay positive. Uh, I'm just going to, one thing, one book I read also that helped me a little bit was, I don't know if you know, um, uh, David Goggins. Oh, yeah. Um, he had oh, this yeah. book. He had this book that I can't hurt me, that really em- embraced the book so much that I was like, um nothing can really hurt me you know 2020 is is amazing that's one of the uh, things definitely definitely like i I realized that i mean this is something that we have been taught for a while books is like a whole world with the the knowledge that you have in books when you put when you start using it it's like the the world opens up for you there's a whole different world in there that you can live without having to move without having to Great. put so much resources and one thing that i found is the audible audible the fact that you can just listen to books instead of reading them Ooh. now i can read like <laughs> one a week or something that's amazing no i agree life changer life changer and, and there's this quote that he says you got to learn how to smile at your pain smiling at your pain was so strong to, for me that I, I and i was already a smiley guy don't get me wrong i smile every time by anything but this the smiling at your pain made me think about some of the things that was painful that maybe would have hurt me uh, two, three years ago. Last year made me just, I was smiling at them in a way that I'm like, I'm, why am I smiling? But smiling helped go through those things, those little things that come out in and on and off from out of nowhere. And to, to answer your question, all those things 
with smiling at my pains, <laughs> pains, quotations, really helped me go through the year. Um, it's, the and, and power, I, it's the power of the mind, right? Yeah. I feel like I feel like when you train your mind to, to look at your life certain ways, it's like, it's the power of the mind and also gratefulness, right? When you are grateful about things, when you are optimistic, when you are positive about things, they start happening. Yeah. Whatever you start imagining, whatever you have in your mind, that's what's gonna become your reality. If you always see negativity and pain, mm -hmm. it's gonna be hurting and suffering. Yep. If you see positivity and love, it's gonna be just sunshine and rainbows. Absolutely, right? absolutely agree. That is so true. That is very true. Well said. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that's amazing. So I, I wanna, I wanted to ask you this, but I feel like I already know your answer. So I know one of the things for our culture, right? Uh, depression and mental health is not something that we talk about a lot, right? When people go through mental health in our cultures, they usually seen as they are crazy or or they are sick or something. I mean, they are sick, but they they you they are they are usually talked about instead of being helped, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, as as little boys, we have always been told uh, you need to be strong and don't cry, right? If you're gonna be a strong man, you shouldn't cry. If you're gonna be a strong man, you should just go through the pain and stuff like that. COVID nineteen is one of the worst thing we will ever see in our world like the, the emotional toll that, that came on top of us is something that many will not see for the rest of their life. Like, how did you deal with that? With that? Like, I, I definitely the ability to smile all the time is helpful, <laughs> but how did you deal yeah. with, with, with that toll and just strive through it? Yeah, no, no, that's, that's a very, very good question because the, the subject of mental health has actually been my passion, funny enough, and I, and I promise you at work, actually, I've been doing a lot of presentation around mental health uh, and kind of how to help people cope through it. Mm -hmm. um, and with that, those little tips of how to, how to go through it that I've been kind of sharing with folks has been literally the things that I've been doing to help me, right? Um, and, 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 and back to your comment about mental health and how is it viewed back home, I 100% agree with you. They think that mental health is a, is a thing where, oh, he's getting crazy. Oh, here we go. Hey, you don't believe anymore. Hey, you don't believe in wherever faith you are anymore. Hey, you're getting crazy. Hey, oh, you need to come back home. You need to come back. The devil is inside you. Yes. Or oh, they think that it's just, and it's just it's a it become a taboo where you, when you are affected by any type of mental disorders due to mental health issues, you, you're not free to share. You're not free to talk about it. You become scared. You, you don't. You don't really get a safe space to share how you feel about it. And that's one that I. One thing that I want to address is that that is complete BS. If you to be to be completely uh, um, correct, to be positive correct, not use any 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 big word. But it is BS to be honest with you, because at the end of the day, we all go through a lot of things mentally. We need to be aware that those things are reality. Yeah. Mental health is an issue. Mental health is something that can happen to all of us. Um, with that said, the, the, the best way I think to, that, I, that I had found that, that helped me honestly scope through it was one, the power of admitting that there are things that are bothering you and having somebody to talk to. Having somebody to talk to and share those things are really life changers. Um, I, have a, I have a cousin, I have, I was, I'm lucky to have a cousin who lives in New York who I talk to literally every single day. And Mamadou, believe me, every single day, 
we talk about anything it could be, whatever bothers us, anything that we have in mind that's a problem that you think may be a problem, we talk about it and hearing his opinions and his feedbacks and how he thinks I should, I should cope with that specific problem had really helped me mentally to know that, hey, other people are also going through the same thing I'm going through. And you would not believe it, but there are so many people that go through the same exact thing and hearing the way they go through it and being able to learn tips and, and advices and little wisdom that they have really helped you. And that had helped me last year going through a lot of some of the things that I, that, that I, that I had went through from a mental perspective. That's one. Two, books. <laughs> we talked about books earlier, but whether you're reading it or you're hearing it, books that really can ignite your passion into whatever you want to get into are life changers. Wow. One, one type of book that I've been reading was motivational books. So one thing, I was not a good reader. I'm not going to lie. I was a bad reader. I never, never like reading. It's the opposite of smiles. <laughs> yes, exactly. I never, me and reading were not friends. But one thing I found out is that like you said earlier, there, or you can literally listen to a book. You can listen to a book. If you, if you start reading a book, you can read it and stop, wait for a while, come back and read it. And that helped me to a mental health because while I'm reading a book or while I'm listening to the book, my mind is focused in that book. And the type of book you read matters, right? Two type of book that I, that I read, that I was reading, that helped me out, that I'm still reading, that helps me out. Motivational books are my number one go-to. Um, motivational books help you know that whatever you're going through, um, there is somebody else going through it, just as talking to somebody else give, gives that to you. But the books puts that into perspective from somebody who's quote unquote famous or quote unquote had been through a lot that you that that's that's somebody who's credible, right? Exactly. Because he had built credibility by writing a book that has been number one New York Times bestsellers or whatever. Um, attribute they were able to get from it, taking those fit those little tips and 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 things that he had they had go through through that book, adding it into your own experience. And something that's key also is not you're not taking the th everything they give you word by word and applying it. What you're doing is you're taking what applies to you, you're scoping it with your specific situation, and you see a result from it. That's, right. that's the part that many people miss, right? They think, many people say, oh, I, I don't like reading self-help books or, or motivational books because they just, I mean, they, they're just motivational. People just trying to sell. But nobody is telling you just reading them going to help you. You have to take what you can and yep. use it. Yep. You have to put it to work. Yep. If you don't put it to work, you, you, you're going to stay in that bed. If you are depressed yep. in the bed and you read a motivational book, then you close it and you stay in the bed. Nothing. It's not gonna help. You hundred percent, hundred percent agree with you. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta look into the book and see the deep meaning and what they mean and put it into your own perspective so you can pretty much use those guiders for you. Yeah. And to be, to be completely honest, a lot of the books that I read, I was partially in agreement with it. Like I probably agree probably sixty percent of it. But those sixty percent that I agree with, that's the part that I used to apply into my own life, right? And, and that had also helped me go through mental health a lot, 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 lot easier um, last year. Um, the third and fourth thing quickly <laughs> that I wanna, that I wanna, that, that also helped me out a little bit was finding a passion that I wanted to do and was doing it, 
And people thought that I wouldn't be able to do it. One, the passion that I found was soccer and refereeing soccer. Um, so I, I always loved soccer. I always play soccer. You're probably the same. A lot of our, a lot of our, <laughs> a lot like, of our friends who are probably listening, who will be listening, will see themselves in it. I played soccer my entire life, Michael. Yeah. I was playing soccer every day. I get up school. I throw my bags. I go play soccer. My granddad used to get upset. I was raised by my granddad and my grandma for my middle school and uh, elementary. Yeah, you used to talk about that. You used to talk about yeah. that. I used to throw my stuff and go out there. My granddad used to just like, get upset at me. <laughs> uh, sometimes you hide the soccer ball. You take it to school. <laughs> Literally. I was, oh, uh, sometimes every day. Every day. <laughs> oh, we would take a, a piece of paper, put tape around it. That's our soccer ball for the day. And <laughs> if it doesn't fit, you take the books, you leave them home. Exactly. Exactly. So, so, so with that soccer being one of my passions, something that I've done my entire life, I came up my junior year, uh, my uh, freshman year and sophomore year in college, I played soccer in junior college. Yeah. Um, I, I, that's something that was in my life. When COVID came, I was like, I need to find a way to play soccer. But of course it was COVID. Everything was closed. Nobody comes out and plays soccer. But one of my passion was refereeing soccer that I started a year or two before. So during COVID started, of course, everything was locked down. When things started coming back up, that's one thing that I started doing again. Going out there, refereeing, going out there, playing soccer, getting my mind outside of the day-to-day mundane thing of staying at home every day because of, uh, because of COVID, of just seeing four walls every day, right? Yeah. Um, and I also was running. If it was running, it's running by myself. It's not COVID. I'm not being affected by anybody else. So doing physical activities in general for anybody watching or anybody who will be listening, physical activities or whatever that you like to do. Maybe it's not physical activity. Maybe it's any type of other passion that you have. Try to get deeper into that passion and really, really, really free your mind for your every everyday thing, making money, making a living, which is great. Don't get me wrong. We all need that. But finding something that allows you and that gives you a little bit of happiness outside of your main thing is, is really helpful for, from a mental health perspective to kind of go through anything you have going on in life. Definitely. Many um, people many people tend to get away from the things that doesn't give them money. Mm-hmm. I see them as, oh, that's not useful and focus on the money part, but they don't realize it's the things that they like doing without having to have money. That's the things that make them happy. Exactly. And to do the things that gonna pay you you need to be happy and that happiness is doing the things that you don't have to get paid for yes yes and it makes you better it makes you a better person yeah. if you are happier a happier man will be more productive at work that's one thing i believe in my new job i'm I, we'll probably talk about it maybe later but in my new job that's one thing i preach you the happiest you are at home or the happiest you are is how much more productive you're going to be at work therefore i tell my dear reports i want you to be happy Tell me, how can I make you happy? Whether it's work-related or not, tell me. And my job is to help you, passionate you, motivate you to be happy and come to work and give me the biggest product or the highest product for the company to make more money. So that's it's one of those things that it helps with mental health as well, right? Yeah. It's one thing that helps. Uh, and, and I, I want to emphasize again, Mamudu, because I want to emphasize that it's not only physical activity, it's not only running, it's not only playing soccer. It's just an example but anything that makes you happy, and it's hard sometimes to find what makes you happy, right? But try and error. Try things. <laughs> I've tried so many things, playing bowling. I've been playing bowling, hockey. And I, I'm African playing hockey. <laughs> how, bro? How did, you, how did you learn ice skating? Dude, <laughs> believe me, I don't want to even start with it because 
I was falling every single three, four seconds. Well, that's how you learn. Yeah. Exactly. That's how you I knew that I was not for me. And I stopped doing it since then. Yeah. <laughs> that was the last time I did it. But it's, it's just to say that hell, trying things out is right. where you find your real passion, right? That's one of the reasons I really love the podcast, right? I really enjoy picking up smart people, uh, people who are motivated to add value to society, right? No matter how busy I am, people always say, Mahamadou, you are doing this and that. Yes, but this is makes this makes me happy. Like no matter what, I have I feel like this is something that I have to keep doing uh, for for life, basically, right? Because it's yeah, always no matter how much you know, it's always great to pick up uh, to pick uh, other people's mind who are doing great things and, and just talk to them. I really enjoy it. And Mahamadou, you are impacting people's life. I tell you that today. You are at least impacting one single person who is listening or who is who, who even heard about it. And to be honest, at the end of the day, that's that's the ultimate goal. Right? That's the goal. Impacting that's the goal. people, making sure people are being inspired by whatever you are doing or whatever whoever you invited is doing. That's uh, it's, it's just it's just it's really priceless. And nothing, nothing, nobody can pay somebody for that, right? That's the goal. Um, that's the goal. Yeah. There's this big code that I saw not too long ago. I feel like I will butcher it. The, it's like, if you, man, I'm a butcher it. <laughs> it's like, if you, if you, if you, yeah, if you sell something, if you, if you sell something to someone, oh, if you earn, you will keep it. Let me think, let me think. Man, I'll butcher it. I, no, I, no, I got you. I, I got you. No, I got you. And, I, and I, when you said a quote, I thought you were going to talk about the, the quote from uh, from Pope Francis that I just looked at somewhere recently. Yeah. Around, you can be happy. It's, it's great. But making somebody else happy, right, yeah. is amazing. It's one yeah. of the biggest things somebody can 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 hope for. And that's yeah. what you're doing. You make idea, yes, happy, exactly. Right? The idea is like, the only thing that you will never lose is the things that you give away. Yes. The things Absolutely. that you earn, you may keep, but it will go away eventually. The things that you will give away, you will never lose. 100%. Absolutely agree. But yeah, I 100% agree. The last part, the last, last single piece for mental health was, is also a healthy diet. You would not believe this, but a healthy diet can affect you so much. Um, it, it, the reason I say that is, People who know me pretty close would will, 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 will be able to tell you when I came in the U.S. Um, two or three years after I was not healthy. I was eating bread. I was eating bread every single day, Monday uh, morning, breakfast, uh, uh, lunch, dinner, because that's what I was used to back home. That's what we do. We eat bread all the time and it's great. However, the 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 way we eat some of the food back home and the way we eat it here has been very different and I've, I've noticed that but it was just so good and my diet was not very healthy right yeah we and eat bread a lot in Guinea and I feel like that's uh, even though it's not great bread it's healthier over there I feel like that here they put so many additional things here that's not healthy that's, that's exactly right I didn't want to go there there's a lot of supplements a lot of things that are being added a lot of sugar and all that and a lot of the other diets are the same thing fast food all that is cheaper it's, it's more available when I was in college I was a, a very broke college student so I kept doing that uh, with all of that 
I realized last year where I had more time again to cook and, you know, have a healthier diet. And wow, it affects my life so much. Wow. It affects the amount of time that I sleep. It affects the amount of time that I, that I, that I actually have. A, a, I'm, I'm full. I feel full, but I'm not like heavy. I'm not heavy full. All those little diet changes and things like that affected my mental health as well. Because I looked good in my mind. Mm-hmm. I don't care what anybody says. I look good. Yeah. What helps me good is my diet. So mentally, you are pretty much, and that's what people say, loving yourself. You are loving yourself. And that's impacted by your diet, the, the, your sleep, your uh, physical activities. It's all kind of tired. It's all yeah. kind of tight. tight. It's, it's all, there's, there's a link in all of them. And all of that is, again, the, a path to a very balanced and good mental health. Uh, yes. I'm sorry, I, I kind of went very, very... No, no, that's, that's definitely a, that's a great point. point. That's definitely a great point because I also recently changed my diet because I, I just took on biking. And one of my goals is to do uh, ultra ultra marathon and ultra biking. Uh, so the wow. David Goggins thing. And uh, I've been listening to this guy uh, called uh, Rich Roll. Uh, he has a podcast and he's a very, he's an advocate for the plant-based diet. And uh, I started looking into it and and it makes sense. Many things that we eat that like, for example, for strength and stuff like beef and stuff, we are eating those things, but all those beef, all the big animals like elephants, hippopotamus, big like cows, all the animals that have so much muscles, right? They only, they are herbivores. They eat plant-based diets. Exactly. Many people think that for you to be strong, you have to eat meat and all of that. But actually, there's a lot of strength in plant-based diet. And I've been trying it out, and I never felt uh, better. Like, I, I just had my first biking racing competition. Uh, this is I, I'll talk about this in my introduction. Congrats, but, congrats. Yeah, and actually won it. Like, I went in there, and wow. uh, it was a lot of people. And I just kept riding to the front and ended up just going forward and won it. For my first time, so I'm so excited. Congrats! Uh, it's very cool. Wow. Yeah. So that definitely, is- diet is big thing, as you said. Yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah, it helps you a lot, and I'm I'm glad you you won. Congrats! And and that's I might I might I might talk to you offline about that planned diet. You know, maybe it's gonna help me out my uh, my referee career. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's pretty definitely. Cool. Definitely. No, it's you. Definitely right. I, I know we came in hot and we talked about so many things. Let's. <laughs> Let's go back to the to the beginning, to the beginning uh, okay. of you. Uh, so you grew up in Senegal. That's where you were born, right? Yep, that's right. Yep. Wow. Where, where exactly? I was born in Dakar. Uh, Dakar wow, Senegal, the city. Capital. The city, exactly. I was born in Dakar. Um, what, was my, what was my clinic? Oh, Clinic Kazawus, I think it was. I think, I hope. Oh, <laughs> that's where you were born? <laughs> I, I hope. I hope that's where it was. I can't, I can't remember if there was me born there or my brother born there. Because we're like yeah. four years apart. Uh, but we, yes, I was born there. I'm the eldest son of seven children. Wow. Uh, yeah, my, my dad is the man. My dad is the man. Talk about pressure, right? <laughs> Love to do that. Yep, big pressure. Um, but yeah, uh, I was I was there pretty much my entire life. I uh, went to um, kindergarten, middle school, high school there. Um, got my high school diploma back in 2011, I believe. Um, and just 
was speaking French and Wolof and a little bit of Arabic. And uh, that's literally all I spoke there until my high school. And then it was time to learn English and get ready for the U.S. As a matter of fact, I was supposed to go to Canada at first because yeah. it's, there's a French part of it in Montreal. Uh, um, the, the visa situation didn't work out. Um, a little bit, of, a little bit of sadness there during that time. <laughs> but, but wait, wait, bro, bro, you're going too fast. You're going too fast. I feel like you have to unpack the childhood first. <laughs> That's so amazing. Uh, the story is amazing. Yes, you have to yes. unpack at the yes. beginning. So you you mentioned earlier that you uh-huh. grew up uh, with your uh, grandfather, right? Yes, yes. So my how, dad, how did that happen? Yeah. So my dad and mom used to go back and forth between Dakar and the U.S. Actually. Okay. Um, so they used to go back and forth. My dad is in uh, was an import export back then, so he was going back and forth, coming here, working for a few months, and then going back, uh, back home. But the most for my own kindergarten and middle school time, I was actually living with my mom, my, uh, my grandma, and my granddad in Gibraltar. If you heard of Gibraltar, anybody who heard of Gibraltar is one of the city, uh, one of the uh, the neighborhood city in Dakar. Um, so that's where I grew up, um, playing soccer a lot. Yeah. Um, uh, and I was, I grew up in a very middle-class family, I would say, where I was able to be comfortable and, you know, eat every day and, you know, kind of have a very average life, really, you know, thankful for that. Uh, but at the same time, you had neighborhoods and people that were right next to you who were not into that same, you know, that same situation. Do you feel so like you were a free child or were you like, you had to stay in the, in the courtyard or were you free to go out? I was, I was, it, it was a balance. Let me, let me put it that way. Why I say it was a balance is because I thought I was free until something happened and I'm like, you're not going anywhere anymore. <laughs> let's, let's just say you, you are not afraid of the belt. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you know, and I was like getting grounded, and yeah, you knew you knew that you were gonna get that belt when you come back. When you're like, ah, well, I'll just have the phone. It's it's better than it's worth. Yeah, it's worth the belt, you know. <laughs> exactly. I was I was looking at my uh, my pros and cons. I was like, the belt is the con. Eh, I'm gonna play soccer. <laughs> come back late and get that belt and go to bed happy at least right that was exactly my life that was exactly yeah, my life was... <laughs> go ahead sorry. now i say yeah with, with that pressure as a firstborn so i feel like as a firstborn uh guy in the family you mm-hmm. take the title of prince let's just say But many people would think that a prince is someone who do everything they want, but it's the other way. You have yes. so much pressure. You are like the representation of your family yes. from the age of zero, yes. <laughs> not yes. even three. How did you, how, when did you start feeling that pressure uh, growing up? I think, I think in, in, from, I would say from kindergarten to middle school, um, that pressure wasn't really real because, uh, to me because I was, I was just, the one little guy, I didn't know what was going on. I was just, you know, running around doing my thing. But when my brother, my uh, youngest brother, the one that's closer to me, who's, uh, who's a four year um, younger than me, when he started getting into school is when I really felt the pressure. Because when he, st- when he started getting into school where I had to take him to school with me, I had the responsibility to kind of make sure, watch out for him, making sure he's okay. Uh, and when I would come home and something would happen to him, instead of blaming him, they would blame me. I'm like, wait, what did I do? 
you. I wasn't even there. Yeah, hey, you're the brother. You are the oldest brother. You are the one who's supposed to be protecting him. Uh, you are responsible for him. I think honestly, that's where I started getting that little pressure of, hey, you need to be leading by example, and you need to be having responsible of your brother, right? And and my granddad was big at that. He was very strict. Oh yeah. Yeah, he does not care about anything else, but your brother and family. Yeah. Two things that back back uh, back in the days that he was like very strict on. Oh yeah, um, I can't imagine, especially with him, he wants to protect his root, right? Yes. His, especially as a grandfather, you see it. You see how the world has changed from where you were growing up, right? You see all this distraction and all these changes that can potentially change how your lineage is going to be, and you're going to try to do everything to protect that tradition, to make sure what was so pressure, like, what, what was so, like, a, a pressure, you have to keep that, right, basically. Yep, absolutely, and he was, he was, a, he was a great man who really always, always, always liked that. He, he wanted, he doesn't care what happens in school. He doesn't care how you do in school. I mean, he cared, but he doesn't care as much as he wanted us to be united, to be one. And that's yeah. why I'm actually, my, my brother who's four years younger than me, I'm, I'm so close to him until now that, you know, we talk every single, you know, other week about anything that's going on and kind of get piggyback on each other's ideas uh, to make the final decision. Why? Because we had that uniting, that unite, that, that unit that my granddad has forced into us um, that really helped us go through. And that's where the responsibility started. I'm like, all right. I'm the one in responsible. I need to make sure he's okay. Then my other brothers and sisters started being born as well. And then, you know, the, the, the spread of your responsibility start growing and you start having more people that you are more responsible to. And then when you go to high school now, it's not even about being responsible to them. It's setting an example for them. Because was, I remember this word that always used to, uh, my mom used to always say, um, it's a wall of word. Um, so mean pretty much, keep everything in the family. Let's say if something happens outside, let's say, and, and, was, and my mom was saying it also, in, even in closest family to largest family, let's say I'm with her and, uh, and my brother Omar, something happened, do not go outside of us and tell the story to your big very cousin that you don't even see until once a year. And you want to go tell him, oh, your little, what we call your little moot, your little things that happened between you. So you exactly. should always kind of make sure we have that that bamelubir that that keeping things in the family when it comes to something bad, right? When somebody does something, do something bad, don't go out there and share it with everybody. Yeah. And if you think about those values, right, they are similar to any other values in, in in our real life right now, right? Don't go to work. Something happens with your group, you know, it's bad. I'm not saying cover up, but if you don't need to share it to with a bigger crowd, just to to just to just to kind of um, make put Mamadou in a bad shape where everybody uh, thinks Mamadou is bad. If you don't need to share it with other people, do not share it with other people. Exactly. Keep it with Mamadou because you and Mamadou are two human beings, and you share the value of keeping things for yourself. And that's literally how I grew up in high school, going for because my mom came back home. Uh, I went back and lived with her, uh, and my dad was still going back and forth. Uh, and you probably know the little the the, the having multiple wife stories. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. My dad has my dad has two, um, so that also created a little bit of you know I need to be responsible for two family kind of exactly be there to be you know the reconciliator between the families if anything were to happen. 
Definitely. Wow. No, you, you, you touched a big point right there. The idea of, I feel like love and collaboration is founded on trust. And uh, there is not, there is no, nothing, no group that can uh, bring love together as much as family, blood Absolutely. and kin, right? And I feel like that's very important because with, with that, there is, there is strength in that. People cannot break you when everybody's connected. There, is, there was this, this big story, again, that I read from your book. Uh, it was this uh, elder man who had like about seven, seven boys, right? He had seven kids and uh, these, these kids were always fighting, always against each other, always being, in care, like they didn't want to see each other. And near his death, he he brought them he brought them together, and uh, and talked to them. I was trying to talk to them, but he had talked to them so much he felt like he didn't have anything else to say. So he decided to show them. He took seven sticks and put them and, and tied them together, and uh, told them and gave gave it to each of them to break it. Each of them tried. They were all strong, big men to try. They tried. No one was able to break this seven sticks together. And then he removed one stick and gave it to each of them and told them to break it. Each of them were able to break their own stick. And he said, if you guys are connected, no one can break you. But like this, you're going to be breakable soon. Something like that. And oh, it was just so, um, I feel like it reflects what you said. Yeah, absolutely. That's very deep. That's really, really deep because it's, it's literally what it is, you know, work together for one goal. Um, and, and that's what my childhood honestly have taught me a lot. It's like work together, wherever you are, whoever you are dealing with, help each other and work in, in, in family is not sometimes only blood family, right? Yes. Family expands. And the more you grow, the more you grow up, the more people you see, the more people you meet and the more people you call family. That's um, amazing. So those same values continues. And even in weddings, right? When people get married, the, the troubles start happening. I mean, there's a lot of things, people make a lot of mistakes, right? And people are able to go through it. But when the moment of no return arrives is when each of the members of the couple start telling their stories to their friends. Exactly. Then you have all these people telling you, oh, wow, she did that? He did that? <laughs> maybe, maybe you should talk to her, maybe you should tell her this. And they don't even know the situation. So yep. the biggest thing is don't tell your friends about what's happening in your household, right? Or you are inviting their opinions and their thoughts, but they don't even know the details totally. and they're going to mess it up for you. Yep. I 100% agree with you. Like, yeah. uh, it, it, to, be, to be completely honest, it, it, it happened to me. It happened to me where um, your story, when you tell your story to somebody, that story, that the opinion that you get affects your decision and it may not be the right decision. And it may not be your own decision. It's because, you know, you got you to gotta, you make sure you know, talk to the right people. That's, you know, that's exactly. key. Yep. Exactly. And one of the things that you really mentioned that I, that really connected to me was uh, your, your grandfather. So I did, not, I did not get the opportunity to meet my grandfather. They both died uh, before I was born. One was in 1975, a long time ago. And uh, the other one was in 1997 seven or 96 right before i was born and uh they were all amazing human beings 
the yeah. most noble and amazing human being that I've ever been told. And uh, these people were selfless. They didn't have much, but they felt like they had so many because they always gave. Uh, specifically, my grandfather who died in 1975. Uh, we are Muslim, and one of the goals as a Muslim is to go to Mecca and do your pilgrimage. And uh, in, during his time, there was no airplane. Before the time of airplanes or anything like that, he, he came up with the goal of, okay, as a Muslim, you need to go to Mecca, so he had to find a way to get there. And he decided to, 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 to get up and follow people and they walked. They walked through, through boats and rides and he eventually got to Mecca and he had to stay there and work for a year to be able to get back. But it's just crazy how imagination and having a goal and commitment can get you. So my, my thing, so I didn't get a chance to meet them, but one of the one of the things that you talked about is how you got the opportunity to learn from your grandfather. What what were those moments like where like what, what do you feel most grateful to be in his presence and what were some stories that you will always cherish in your heart? Yeah I think I think again I'm sorry for your loss and I and I see that you see you 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 see and one thing we mentioned earlier quickly is the legacy that he left is something you still get inspired by. Yeah, and I, 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 I hope, cannot make any excuses anymore. <laughs> and I hope, and I hope we both and all of us and everybody listening and everybody out there leaves the legacy that great so that people can still be inspired by it, really. I mean, but, but yeah, so one of the things, one of the things that I really, that really, that really had always helped me uh, and from from you know being with him back then was his his hard work and his dedication for anything that he wanted to do. So my my granddad was one of those guys where if he had something in mind, he's going to do it. So he was the president of the Muslim Association in Gibraltar for two three years, and his hope has always been to make sure the mosque is doing. So there's this the group, Tijaniya. I don't know if you know, if you're in the beginning, Tijaniya group, they used to do Khadra on Fridays. Yeah, and yeah. So it was just a practical thing that a uh, Muslim do uh, for people listening who don't know. Um, he was dedicated for that to happen every single Friday. And he was always dedicated for, uh, uh, I wish it to happen twice a day. He has always been there on Friday, being wow. sick, not being sick, Whatever that happened, I remember my grandma used to like literally argue with him. You're not going to go. You're not going to go today. You can't go. You're sick. He would be there and go every single Friday. One. Fajr prayer, the hardest prayer to have in the morning. Four o'clock in the morning, five o'clock in the morning. He always wakes up one hour before Fajr prayer. Every single day. Rain, snow. I do not remember. And, I, and, I, and I'm saying this, honestly, I do not remember a day that he didn't wake up. And, and, I'm, and I'm honestly saying that for the years that I was there. What did that taught me? That taught me dedication in a person who was really faithful about whatever he believed in, and he never gave up on it. Never, ever gave up on it. Wow. And he was so into it. He was so um, uh, fearless and know that this is what he believes in. This is what he's going to do all the time. That I personally see myself as some of the things that I'm worried about. I'm like, this is nothing versus somebody who's literally sacrificing his sleep. Sleep is so good. Yeah. But he's sacrificing all those things to get to one thing that he wanted to do is wake up every single day, every morning. And if we think about it, we look at it as something small, but try it. 
Wow. Try to wake up every day at a certain time because you have, and it's not something that's obligatory, right? It's obligatory in your religion, but it's not something that's obligatory from a, oh, I'm not going to go and make money out of it. Yes, you're looking at the, the benefit after, right? But the the, the, the livelihood, the, the life benefit and everything on it is not really something you can materialize, right? Wow. So a lot of us would not think about it as something big, but it is huge. But then the other thing that's, that he had done that really, you know, kind of affected me um, is his, his ability to influence people, right? Influence people to do the right thing, right? Um, a, a lot of my, in my, in my, in my, uh, my uncles and aunts and a, a lot of them, he, she, he was very, and I think we mentioned it a little bit earlier, he was very, very, very passionate about unite, united family, a family that's united and everybody being together. His passion for that was just incredible in a way that for me today, I'm all about that. Wow. I'm all about making sure people are good. That I'm is all about helping folks around me. That is so amazing. And the most amazing thing about it is the fact that as he was doing all of this without even thinking, as he was trying to, to master excellence every single day, he did not even notice, or maybe he did, he did not even notice that you guys were watching. Yeah. And, and you I'm guys thinking, were catching him in the moment of excellence. Yeah. And you guys gonna strive for that. And the people yeah. after you gonna strive for that for the rest of their life. Yeah. This is how Mamadou, you create a legacy. Mamadou, until he passed away two years ago, I'm telling you, he was still trying, putting his chair down and still trying to do things that I'm like, I, I would never think that I would be able to do this. Like being so passionate about some of the some of some of the community services that you do in the community where you are literally sitting down and we have to help you get up and everything you still want to get out in the neighborhood and help the community always going out in the mouth always helping the community into whatever they need always being there that's, that's, that's one thing and i was very grateful that i was able to go uh a few months to a year before he passed away actually it was probably it's probably the same year it's probably the same year um, but not the same month that I was able to go and see him uh, one last time. And I will always remember this that he said uh, when I was leaving during that night when I was coming back to the state. He told me, one thing I want you to remember, I'm, I'm not going to be here forever. I'm not going to be here for long. But I want you to remember where you're from. Always remember where you're from and always know where you are. Because wherever you end up being, know that where you're from and the things that you have done in the past, wherever, wherever good things you have done in the past is going to help you from where you are. And don't ever forget that your parents, whatever you do to them, will help you because their prayers and the things that they will be praying for you are going to affect your life. You will never, ever, ever be in a situation that you cannot get out of if you do those things. If you always remember where you're from, always take care of your family, always take care of your parents, just go. When he told me that that day, in my mind, I'm like, my granddad knows something. I don't know. And I started asking, is he sick or anything? I was like, no, he's just getting older, right? But at the same time, he knew. I feel, I feel like, and again, I don't know how, but I think he knew yeah. that maybe that was going to be one of the last time we see each other. That's and definitely something I feel like. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Sorry. No, I was... So that's just my thought. That's just what I think. I think no, he knew. I definitely agree. I feel like that's something that is very common in, in our culture. Like, I feel like our elder parents are so blessed 
and so full of blessing and prayers. They are so close to their faith and they are so wise that they get signs like that. It's just yep. so the, the blessing, the candor, the, the kindness and the, how to call it, the, the cleanliness, the cleanliness yep. inside them allowed them to be so calm to really receive sign like that. I definitely had the same situation for my grandfathers. Both of them know, seems to have known when they were about to leave. My, my grandfather who died in 1975, he, he told my father the night before he died, that thing is my, that's where I'm gonna be carried on to go to, 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 to be buried. The, you know, the Muslim have yeah, that that lunch. That's what I'm carrying on. The next day he died and someone said, hey, we still have that thing that's still haven't gone bad yet. Let's yeah. use it. Yeah. And yeah. my father was like, wow, he knew. Yep, it's, I'm telling you, man. It's, it's crazy. But, it's, but that's amazing. And, and I'm so, I, I hope, I pray that the people that's listening, that everybody get the opportunity, everybody get the opportunity to realize that whatever actions they are taking, they are giving the opportunity for the team mm -hmm. to catch them in the moment of excellence. Great, I hope so. Kids yeah. gonna always look at you. Always. Yes, they're gonna have the option of choosing that or something else. But at the end of the day, if you really wanna make the journey easy for them, is to allow them to catch you in the moment of excellence. Absolutely. They're gonna follow that. Yep, absolutely. Consistency in that excellence. They 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 see you. Everybody, everybody's watching. The kids wow. are watching. Man, okay. Let, let's go to Canada now. <laughs> what was that? <laughs> what was that Canada experience? Why did uh, Canada didn't want you, brother? Oh, Canada. I don't know, but to be honest, I'm like, thank you, Canada. I'm glad you didn't want me. Because <laughs> <laughs> I went to, I went to, I literally got accepted in the University of Montreal, Quebec. I was accepted, went for the visa. Um, they came out with some, hey, you need to transfer your money to Canada, transfer your money to North America, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I don't live there. How do you want to transfer my money there? But long story short, at that point, my dad was already in Raleigh, North Carolina, here in the US. So I called him, hey, Canada said this. He was like, what? Canada? Man, let the, let the Canadian fare there. Come to the US. I'm like, dad. It's like, yeah, yeah, it's come to the US. That's literally how everything switched from wanting to go to Canada to a French colony, if not French colony, but French speaking uh, university, yeah. to switching to now uh, looking for an American university, which wow. is literally how I ended up in North Carolina. How old, uh, how old were you? I was 18. I was 18. So I right after high school. I was literally right after high school, literally like right when I was finishing high school. I finished high school in July. I think I applied for the August session in Canada, and I think I got rejected in, in mid-August, I think. So, because I was, I think I was going to be late for school because school in Canada starts a little earlier, I think August yeah. 29 or something. Um, so, so I was literally going to finish, get get the visa, and just leave uh, because I had family in Canada as well. My auntie's in Canada with my uncle and family members, so it was easier for me, easier process, French school, French speaking school. Yeah. Uh, was going to be really a lot easier. And back home, I did this uh, math and physics uh, high school. So back home, we had this different high school uh, model where you can do a, a, a literature high school, 
English high school or, 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 or biology or math and physics. I did the math and physics type of high school. So in my mind, I wanted to be an aeronautical engineer. I wanted to be, I wanted to do aerospace. I wow. wanted to do an airplane. Yeah. I wanted to do anything around airplane. That was my dream. Yeah. So, so Canada was perfect because the University of Montreal has an amazing program and I could finish and go work for companies like Boeing and other companies like that. Any company that has to do with airplane. Um, but of course, that plan went aside. Went on you the still side. can. You still can, though. Oh, you're right. You're right. I still can, but my passion changed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. My passion changed. But back then, honestly, that's all I wanted to do. Um, um, and then, yeah, that's how I literally ended up from going, going to Canada to now switching to go to the U.S., I stayed in Senegal actually for three, four months trying to work on the paperwork and all that. And you probably know how hard it is uh, for the I-20 international student and all that process. Oh, yeah. uh, different animal by itself. Uh, but I was able to finish that and then they come to the U.S. and rally. How was that transition like when you arrived here? Uh, you, did you come to New York? I came to... I didn't come to New York. I think... I, I think if I'm, yeah, I did come to New York. I came to New York. And yeah. then from New York, I literally did New York to uh, a rally. But my arrival in New York was very funny because I thought I spoke English. I thought. <laughs> I thought I spoke a little bit of English. Until I got into the aircraft and I promised Mamadou, this is going to sound very cliche. But the lady asked me, what do you want to eat? This is like very cliche. All I could know in the menu was chicken. Chicken. <laughs> find out anything else. I told her chicken and she did give me chicken. And that's all I ate the whole the whole ride because it's all I could remember. And it sounds cliche because a lot of people say, oh, I didn't speak any English. But I thought I did speak English. That's what I thought, honestly. Until I got into the aircraft, I realized that it's just a, it's just honestly the, the grammar and stuff that you learn back home. It's good. Don't get me wrong. It's fantastic. But the speaking part, which I'm is the saying. most important when you come to a country that everybody speaks a language was... I did not know anything about what people were saying. The accent, wow. everything was too quick. The, 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 the language was too quick. I was literally taking the word in English, translating it in French in my mind, thinking about a response in French, translating it in English in my mind, and then have to bring it back out. All of that in a glimpse of two, three seconds. Right? That's so the I'm same like, thing. That's the same thing I was doing, man. That's the same thing. And there was a time when I got tired of that. And uh, I saw some rappers on TV so I told myself, okay, I'm gonna be a rapper now. <laughs> Bro, I started looking at lyrics on YouTube and writing them down. And yeah. I remember one time I wrote a, a lyrics that had a lot of curses in there. And my uncle called me, I was like, oh, this is what you're learning now? <laughs> I'm telling you, that is me. That is me right there. That's me nine years ago, 10 years ago. I'm telling you, I was like, what the hell is this language, right? I thought I knew it, but nope. And, and again, that's one of the, one, I think one of my biggest challenges. Talk about a switch coming in here. One of my biggest challenges was the speaking part in English. Um, yeah. and, and the other thing that I also found is when I came in, there's this little self confidence that I was missing. So I, I didn't I didn't want to speak up. I would know what to say, but I don't want to say it. People was like, "What?" Especially when you don't know in your accent, you just don't want to talk. Remember, I was in. So I played soccer, like I said, uh, my freshman year, sophomore year. I used to travel with the team a lot. I used to travel with the team and honestly get into bus and not say a word, not because I didn't have a word to say, just because I didn't want to speak up and people will ask me what? And I have to wow. repeat myself. That's one thing I was very, very, not very uh, confident about, confident about it. But one thing that was a life changer though, was uh, one of my friends uh, that I actually still talk to sometimes, Brad Eto, um, who actually one day really empowered me to speak up. I knew, what do you think? 
and I said whatever I wanted to say. Everybody actually understood. I was like, interesting. Everybody understand? Did they just, <laughs> are they just saying just to not hurt my feeling, or did they really understand? But you come to find out that when you are scared about the way you talk, about how people are going to take it, and all of that, that actually puts more pressure on you, and that makes it harder for people to understand. When you free up your mind with the mindset that I don't care what they think, this is how I speak, this is who I am, that actually helps you in a way that you would not even think. And once I got that mentality, because I remember actually looking at myself in the mirror, and I still do it sometimes, <laughs> thinking some of the words that I just learned and trying to find out the pronunciation through Google and, and, and saying it to myself in the mirror to know this is the right pronunciation when I say wow. people understand what I'm talking about, right? Kind of doing those little accentuation and making sure the word is clear and, and articulate um, is one thing that I started doing back then. And that's, that I honestly still do because I will have meetings with high up managers and, and folks from headquarters and stuff where I still practice some of the words that are in the package just to make sure people can understand. But, but in that transition, that was one of the hardest part. And just to tell people, anybody who's listening, that you may think that your accent is so deep that nobody will understand. But believe me, whatever you have to say is going to benefit somebody who's listening. Somebody is going to understand it. Or somebody who's actually in the audience will be able to tell you, hey, look, dude, I did not get anything you said, but I'm willing to help you so that it can be better. And yeah. once you get that one guy and it gets better, you'll be a life changer for people. Um, and, 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 and like I said, gratefully that in that switch, that's one thing that helped me uh, is being able to be more confident about speaking up. I don't care about what people think about my accent. Yeah. I got to a point where people were like, oh, dude, you don't even have an accent. I'm like, no, not true. I have an accent. <laughs> <laughs> You're being nice. <laughs> I have one. Uh, but I, I, you just continuously work on it and, and really that helped me out coming in here. That's amazing. That's amazing. One of the crazy things that I always thought about. So for me, I came to the US around days of 13. So I had the, I had wow. the opportunity to, to, to fail a little bit in high school and figure it out before coming to college. But you just got into it and you had to learn English yep. and you had to compete against everybody in your school and in a very hard Ooh. measure. Talk oh, about that journey, the nights that you had to cry a little bit. Do, oh man, man. Oh, by the way, crying is okay for men. I <laughs> hear this thing that men don't cry. Men cry. I've cried. There will be yeah. times I would wake up, I'll cry, I go to the bathroom, I put the shower in. When the when the tears come in with the water, really you don't feel it? It's good. Yeah. You feel good. You come out with a smile and you're good to go. Man can cry. <laughs> just uh just uh, that's my that's my first word there. Um uh, but yeah, but I think one thing that helped me out, and the one thing that I struggled with was like you said. Math and physics were not hard, but math and physics in an application of a problem, in a problem that has English, oh my God. Yeah. I'm like, I see the numbers. I kind of know, I don't know what they want me to know, but I think I, I can use the numbers. So I would just use the numbers and think and assume this is what they're asking for, just based on how the question is phrased and just go for it and, and see how it goes. Um, I think that's one of the biggest challenges that I had uh, in the major that I was in because engineering. So when I started, I was in engineering, a general engineering field where I didn't, have, I didn't choose which one yet. The math and the physics, like I said, was honestly practically easier because I've done a little, a little bit of advanced classes back when I was in high school in Senegal. But the application of problems that used to, that used to be into those tests were the biggest challenge for me. 
Um, for the story, actually, in my first uh, calculus class, I have this exam that has a calculator part and a non-calculator part. In Senegal, we don't use calculators. We don't have calculators. No. So in my mind, I get the test, everything is calculator. So my, my, my stupid self just started doing the exam and finishing the exam. I finished the exam like everybody else and give the exam. When the result came out, I had 89. I remember just like today, 89. My teacher was bit, Miss, Miss Mary Beth Sai, Miss Sai. English, uh, by the way, hi, Miss Sai. Uh, Miss Sai from uh, uh, Work Technical Community College was my calculus teacher back then. Miss Sai took my paper and was like, I do incredible. You got everything that nobody, some of the folks didn't have right, and uh, you have them right. But you missed the last question, and it was the easiest question because it was a plug and chug. I was like, a plug and chug where? It's like, in the calculator. I'm like, oh, we're using the calculator? She was amazed. She's like, what? You did not use a calculator for the whole test? I'm like, I didn't know. So at that point, I'm like, this is crazy, right? There's a calculator part. I need a calculator. Let me go take it, right? So that was the learning there. They're like, hey, it was challenging because I didn't know some of the things that were done here. I didn't yeah. know the language the application. I didn't know there's a calculator, non calculator part in the calculus test. I didn't know those little things. And yeah. really getting to know them day after day is what really helped me afterwards to get into it. Uh, and then starting from that, actually, that test. But at the same time, what was, like we always said, things happen for a reason. That one day that I had that calculator, non-calculator issue when I was able to do the test without using calculator is what took me to be in the math club and then do calculus competition in the nation. I'm like, wow. what? Wow. So because he said, wait, you're able to do this? We have math competition where you actually go without a calculator and try and do it. And boom, opportunities come up, right? Wow. So even those challenges were challenges, like you said, but those challenges actually helped me get other opportunities that I, that I wouldn't have gotten if I wasn't challenged there. The true definition of when you fail, you have not completely failed. Yes. Like you just have to figure out something that doesn't work, but you also figure out something else that worked that you didn't exactly. know worked, right? Exactly. It's exactly. Just, exactly. just don't quit. That's amazing. I definitely can connect to so many of those stories where know, yes. <laughs> you see the numbers on the board, you say, oh yeah, 62 times two, that's 124. I know yes. that's easy, but everybody have their calculators in, but then they give you a paper and they say, what is the mean of 64, 5, 10, or something like that? And you say, what's mean? What does mean stand for? You know, oh my God, dude, I had that. I mean, and all the trick, the trick names. Like C the sign, of course. The, the, the quotient. I'm like, I didn't learn that. I know sinus, cosine, and intelligent. That's all I know. Yeah. <laughs> all these new ones. Uh, but yeah, that, that was the challenge, I think. Uh, but That's again, amazing. thank you for the people that I was able to meet, honestly. Like some of the some of the greatest friends I've had were the ones where I'm like, dude, I think I know how to do this, but how, what, is, what does this mean? Um, wow. Even in the engineering classes, man, even going to my sophomore, junior year at NC State, it was the same thing. It was the same thing, really. Like, I it have, seems, uh, it seems like you, you caught up really well, right? English came, I mean, after you learned, you started learning it fast. And one thing, though, is many people in college, especially international students, doesn't know a lot about internships, jobs, right? It's just, they, they come in because in, in, in our culture, just focus on studying, right? And sometimes, most of the time we have to pay for school, right? We have to hurry up and finish and help our family. We tend to just focus on education. What can I do to hurry up and finish? 
That's and we usually forget the, getting our head up and looking at all the other opportunities out there. Yep. But seem like you also figured that part out. You connected with the right people. Yeah. So th that's actually one of my passions right now is to help those international students, people that come in to know that there are resources available for you to get internship, to know how to do, how to write a resume, right? How to write a cover letter, how to, yeah. how to, how to go for an interview, how to, how to treat yourself in an interview. Because honestly, when I came in for the first two, three years, I actually did not know. I was in the same class. I didn't know anything about that. Yeah. I, was, I just thought, okay, my dad is paying for this. I need to finish it up. I need to hurry up and finish it. I'm an international student. And also as an international student, we got to say, it's a lot harder for you to get internships. This is a lot harder for you to get any job opportunities because you have to be sponsored because you, you don't give internships to international students. So it's, there's, there's this challenge that gets in front of you all the time that doesn't allow you to get to this opportunity. But there's, a, there's always things around that I wish I knew earlier, but there are other things you can do, right? You can do jobs that doesn't really apply to your major, but that gives you skills and things that you can apply for any job in your major later on. Wow. One of those for me was working in a library. I worked in the library in the school that I was in. I was literally, I was working in the print shop when I was printing all the exams and stuff from everybody else in the school. And, and, and I was able to work at, uh, at, at, a, at a little supply, uh, store to sell stuff where I was able to learn some of the customer service and, and ha having a thick skin when a customer is upset and cursing at you, but you can't really respond. You got to say, okay, I'm sorry. I apologize. I, I can't take care of you. Let me call my manager. So you got to, you learn all those little skills that you're going to apply, that you're going to use later on in your career. So that's one thing I, I did in my first two, three years until I was able to get my green card and I was able to actually now go and try to find internship. And you, you would not believe this. I've never interned. I've never wow. interned anywhere, right? I've never interned anywhere, but even though you intern, find opportunities that will help you for your own career, right? For you your own going. Do research. I've done I've done multiple research on uh, on things that are not even related to my major, but it's just having a filler or having things that you can put in your resume, and you you would you would not believe it. But all those little things that I've done, honestly, in my, in my all the job, all the roles that I had at my current company, those little things that I did kind of helped me directly or indirectly into my some of the roles that I had. Right? Exactly, focusing on getting the skills that are transferable. But yeah. many people like just signing up to things to sign up, but you also need to make sure that there are skills in there that you can take and transfer it to whatever yes. you want to do. Yes, I believe that I know you, 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 you actually you said it perfectly right. Skills that are applicable to whatever you want to go. And if you think about those skills or those little, even whether it's soft skills or hard skills, the soft skills of communication, for example, yeah. you would do communication to any job that you do. Exactly. It doesn't matter which job you do, whether you're an engineer, an architect, a savant, a scientist, you need some type of communication, whether it's written or is spoken to communicate, whatever that is, you need it. And that you can actually learn from any single job, right? Wow. Any job you can do can give you those little skills. And that's why I tell a lot of international students, go out there, ask for an opportunity in your school. And don't get me wrong, it's not easy. It is not easy. But you got to just be willing to knock on people's door. Yeah. You're going to have 1,000 rejections. But all you need is one. It's one. That's all you need, right? It's one. If yeah. the one person who's going to believe in you, go out there, work for them, and look at the best out of whatever you're working with into that specific job, right? And that's wow. what I did. That's what I learned. What I did. I worked in print shops. I worked in the. I worked in the uh, uh, libraries. I worked in 
I, until I started working in a retail store. And then I worked at Walmart. That was my best experience as well. Then I worked at Walmart for three years and, and I was able to work at Caterpillar afterwards. So all those little experiences that I grabbed on the way while I was in college. And I even, I even drove a styling shuttle, a shuttle company from the airport to a hotel. Wow. You would think that job is not really applying to your uh, your oh, it is. But professionalism. <laughs> the best job I've had. And I, and, I, and I still say today, that was one of the best jobs. That one in Walmart has been the best job I've had in my career because those jobs you would think were not, doesn't apply to you, but they showed me so much soft skills. They showed me so much uh, uh, um, resilience and, and knowing that, hey, you, you slept maybe, uh, again, disclaimer, not do, don't do this, <laughs> but you slept three hours, but you have to wake up in the morning to go get a customer. You have to be punctual. You got to be at 10 minutes before the pickup time. You got to be there, get up and go there get up and go get it so that punctuality that that, that you know hard work soft skills or communication talk to the customer because you know you want to you want to tip so you want to talk to the customer in a way that they feel comfortable where they are in the in the car while you're driving them an hour to the airport so you can get the most the most amount of tips as possible as much tips as possible and at the same time you get to know them i still have friends from back when i was driving that still today Message me every once in a while. As a matter of fact, Miss Andrea, who I do, who I used to actually drive in the shuttle, uh, who actually added me on LinkedIn, still we're still talking sometimes. She just commented wow. on one of my job updates. So you gotta keep those connections that wow. are a lifetime forever uh, um, connection. So it's just to say, international students do something. I don't know that what is it so is. Amazing. Oh. That is so amazing, and I can definitely connect to that, especially even for for the podcast here, connecting with people. Right, who are doing amazing things, and just be able to 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 be in the same atmosphere, and eventually, there's always when you start bringing people in your corner, when you guys share the, share the same space, ideas start to blossom, and you guys get the opportunity to really connect and make something amazing out of what was nothing, basically. Absolutely, absolutely. That's that's amazing. What one thing that you mentioned also is the idea of your doing as much as you can because you only need one, right? I remember in high school, when I started college, I, when I was finishing my high school, my, my, my senior year, I didn't know. I, I was playing football throughout my high school year and uh, I was a very good kicker and punter and wow. I was hoping to get some good uh, scholarships, but senior year, I got hurt. I had to get wow. surgeries. And uh, I stopped talking to colleges because I wasn't playing, right, for football. So I really needed to figure out a way to get myself to pay for college because coming from Guinea, my uncle had taken care of me, gave me everything I needed, but he has, he has family. He cannot also pay for my college. I needed to figure that out. And you know, when you are put against the wall, you start just figuring things out. So I started applying to scholarships. I applied to 36 scholarships, all with different essays. And I was only accepted to two. And wow. those two pay for my whole school. Just wow, two out of 36. And those, this, this first one was scholarship 24 that I applied. Oh my and God. the last one was scholarship 33. Oh my goodness. So if I stop at 20, I was going to be broke. Yep. <laughs> yeah. You were going you, you to be paying student loans. Uh, to today, just like I'm doing, you know, that's you're right. You're 100 right, and I'm I'm glad I'm glad you were able to know. Don't stop. You did it. This is this is a testimony for people, right? Well, your, your work ethic, your work ethic that you talked about just now, the idea of 
learning amazing skills, let's say from Walmart, from National Drive, and be able to transfer it. That's the kind of skills that companies like ExxonMobil, which is the one that you're working for, and big companies like that are looking for. When they are interviewing you, they are not looking at the beautiful A or the amazing calculations that you did on that project, or if you know what was the hit balance equation. Frankly, many people that you work with don't remember the hit balance equation or something. I've been recruiting for four years now. I swear, whenever I go back to NC State to recruit for students, I, what I'm looking for is that. Your soft skills, even if you're a freshman, what did you do as a freshman in college, extracurriculum, whatever that is, that's what I care about the most. I care about your grade. We have this 3.5 minimum requirement, but at the end of the day, if you satisfy that, in order for you to be out of the pack of all the 3.5 and above GPA folks, you have to do, you have to do those things. Yeah. I look for those things. I look for your being a server, being a, a, a cashier, being a car pusher, whatever that is. I want you to tell me what did you learn from it that I can hire you as an intern or as a, as a full-time employee so you can come up and give me those soft skills and, and make it happen. Because we, I have learned that the, the, the best employees, the most successful employees are those folks that have learned those soft skills that are able to come in and work with people. Our team workers, the best team workers are those folks. You can be smart, like you said. You can be smart. Have A pluses. But if I can't work with Mamadou and tell him why did I just calculate the new theory of gravity? Why did I have a new gravity equation? If I can't tell you, to, if I can't tell you, Mamadou, it doesn't help. It doesn't really help. It doesn't help. There are so many smart people out there, but they cannot teach what they know. And and that, that makes them very not useful. The managers that you see, the bosses that you see are not people that are smart. Many times those people are not the most technically able, but they are the, the better caliber. They know how to get you, to get your knowledge out of you and give it to someone else who need it. That's what they do. It doesn't mean that they were always smart, but they have those soft skills, the idea of reliability. When they need to get something done, they'll go and figure out how to do it. When they need to get a message out, they know how to do it efficiently. When they need to get information that they don't have, they know how to get people to collaborate and get them what they need. Yep, agree. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Man, I, 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 made, I scheduled a 90-minute conversation with you, bro, because <laughs> I knew we were going to have uh, an amazing conversation. And I feel like there is still... Oh, yeah. So many things we need to discuss. <laughs> I know I have a meeting with our partners in Malaysia for work in six yep. minutes, but let's try to squeeze in a little bit more. So for ExxonMobil specifically, you've been working for about five years now. That's right. Talk about your journey from when you started. What was your mentality? Because when many, many people, when they come into to the jobs, they feel like they have arrived. I already got this job. I, I don't need to do anything, but there are some other people, the few and the fewest, when they come in, they take this honor mentality instead of the tenant mentality. The tenant mentality are people who, it's like they have a rent, right? They're just gonna fix whatever is necessary to fix. They're just gonna improve a little bit because it's not theirs, they don't care, right? But yep. the owner's mentality is people that's gonna take up the space and say, this is mine. I wanna make sure to make this the best space ever. Yeah, you, 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 you actually, you, it's funny you say that because you clearly said exactly what, what I came up with the mindset of, which is the, 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 the latest you said around, I came in 
as, hey, I'm coming in a team. I want to put an impact into this company. I want every single role that I have, that they remember who Abdu was and what Abdu did in this group. And, and, and again, for me, it was the pride thing. I don't care. Anybody said, I don't care what anybody thinks. I don't care about a, a, a performance assessment at the end of the year. What I care about is me wow. being happy about what I did. And honestly, not caring about it actually helped me in those performance reviews. Because, and I'm genuinely saying this, you work with the company, so you know how the company works. I never care in an assessment session or an assessment period that this is where I'm going to be in a performance standpoint. This is where I'm going to be. I've always had this mindset that I can't control it. What I can control is what I do and what I'm going to do. And what I did when I started, since when I started the company was, I'm going to come in and try to work as hard as possible, have a work-life balance, and see what happens. When I started, not going to lie, my work-life balance wasn't very good because I started with the mindset that, hey, I'm a hard worker. I'm going to work every day and, do, and try to do as much things as possible. Then I learned that the work is going to be there. If I get up today, wherever work I left there, when I come back tomorrow, it's still going to be there. <laughs> and it's going to be my work to complete. When I learned that, I learned how am I going to balance my life between work and life, right? That was one. Two, I came in with the mindset that I don't know much. Yes, I had an engineering, mechanical engineering degree from North Carolina State University, great school, amazing school. But I still don't know anything about petrochemicals. I came in not even knowing what a valve was. I came in not even knowing what a pipe was because in North Carolina, they are more focused on uh, control systems, electronic stuff, it's all the companies there are like that. But you come down South, it's all about petrochemicals, right? I didn't know anything about it. So I came in with a very humble state. Look guys, I'm here to help as much as I can with my critical thinking or things that I learned in engineering. And I'm open to hear from you guys and give me wisdom. Whether I talk to my whether I talk to my supervisor, my peers, or I talk to the, I don't know if you know, with the plant, when you work in a plant, you work with folks that have been working in the company for 20 years, but did not have an engineering degree, which is why they are still working either in the wage space or in a supervisory space in the wage, but in the unit itself, turning valves and doing a lot of the great work that they do in the plant. So with me, I came in as a humble person and I wasn't changed to them. They're like, wow, you're not one of those engineers that come in thinking they know everything. I mean, with a big head, but nope. I was like, no guys, I'm literally just like you coming in to learn and trying to impact the company and make them more money. Because at the end of the day, the company makes more money. We all make more money. We have job security, right? We make money at the end of the year and we're good to go. So let's just work together on that. And I'm, and I'm saying this with all humility, that was the mindset that I came in with and that I still came in with all the five jobs that I had so far already in five years. Every single role that I was moved to, I came in with that same mindset. I'm going to go out there. I'm going to try to get out of there and work as work hard again, work, be able to build relationships because I'm in my job process. I'm very relationship based. I want to build a family in whatever group that I am, that I am, whether I'm a personal contributor, individual contributor, or a leader in a leaders in a leadership position. Because at the end of the day, we are all leaders, but in the leadership position, I'm still coming with the mindset that I want us to be a family first, work together to have the same goal of making more profit for the organization and all have fun at the same time. Uh, because at the end of the day, it's just what all is about. You want to wake up every day, go out there, work, have fun, come back home, make money for your family and your loved ones. Uh, and that's Bro. the mindset I came in with. Bro, that's amazing. 
that that is amazing that's exactly that that's that's crazy and that's exactly the way to do it man i have to i have to happen in a meeting but yes we, no, have, you have, to to, we have to have a second session bro. please please please, please, have please, to have, please you still I have to talk about your vision for africa you still have to talk about <laughs> yep. your journey still in ExxonMobil. this is one of yep. the most amazing conversations i had bro and we definitely, this is to continue definitely please please feel free i've enjoyed it thank you for having me again Anytime, please feel free anytime because this is again, this is my time to reconnect with a brother again. A brother yeah. like be able to talk and chat. And I and I want to I want to hear more about you too. I wish I was able to come to Houston, uh, but I wasn't able to because I had a few commitments that came in. But yeah, let's we'll make it happen. Yeah, we'll make it happen. But definitely, bro, I'll reach out to you in the next okay. few days and we can schedule another session. But yep, thank you so much to the bottom of my heart for taking oh, your time. You. I really appreciate being in your prisons, man. You are very thank inspirational. You. Keep doing the amazing work that you're doing. Yeah, let's catch up soon. Yeah, thank you, Mamadou. I enjoy. Have a good night. You too. Have a great night. Thanks. Thank you so much for taking your time and listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. If you feel like this episode has helped you in any way, share it with a friend, family, or loved one. Before you leave, make sure to subscribe for more.